shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. This week we're giving a shout out to Buffalo Safety, to Bar Hamlin and hoping him and his family are doing well. So hey, we got Connor here and we got Ronan. Hello. How are you, Ronan? No Sean this week. Unfortunately, the more boring, traditional English form of football has won his heart this week and he was over at uh, a Liverpool game and is unable to join us as he's currently still mid-transit. But how's yourself, Ronan? How's tricks? I think he was fortunate enough to go to the game that they won. They had a much worse performance a couple of days ago. But for myself, Grant, finally back from Cavan. Just got back into Cork, uh, basically in the door yesterday. Settling back in. Yeah, obviously a good end to 2022, um, mostly. Uh, hanging out with family stuff. Eventually got over that illness I had last week on the podcast. Mm. Though I still have the uh, chesty cough as a souvenir. <laughs> but uh, hopefully that'll be gone in the next few days. Uh, it was very unfortunate, I suppose, just that the, the NFL this, were, this week didn't have such a normal time. It was uh, tough going in that, and we'll, we'll come on to that in the news. No, similar to myself, fairly quiet, had a quiet enough New Year's, watched some games, chilled out, took the dog for a number of walks. He was ecstatic at the amount of, you know, trips to the beach and to the forests and to the woods he was getting, although he is a bit of a creature of habit, and I think he's happy that we're back working. So he's like, okay, now I can just snooze in the morning. You can like, get back to work, and I'll tell you when it's time to take a break. But no other than that, relatively quiet. We've got ourselves booked in for our Super Bowl in Dublin, which would be fun. Jeff Reinbold has booked his Belfast leg of the stint and uh, we're just waiting for information on the Dublin leg of the stint to see if that might be something that'll be workable as well and yeah planning underway for the aforementioned missing Sean's stag do so that'll be that's kind of that's, that's most of the crack as well as getting back up to speed with work this week so you know lots of small bits going on but yeah no fun kind of small bits so I suppose we'll move on to the news as I said it's kind of bad news we said at the top of the show there Buffalo safety Jabbar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest during Monday Night Football Buffalo at Cincinnati game led to immediate emergency response on the pitch as well as hospitalisation so he remains uh, at the time of recording in critical condition uh, he is sedated on a ventilator however all the updates we've had of late have been positive I believe his uncle said that I think he's gone from 100% to 50% oxygen now and that like it is progressing positively at least obviously a huge shock for all the players on the pitch uh, for all his family and friends it's led to an outpouring support for Hamlin and his family his uh, his charities now have gotten 5.5 million in donations uh, with lots of that coming from other NFL players as I'm sure it'll probably have gone up even further by the time this pod gets out to you on the kind of more playoff side Buffalo and Cincinnati game has been postponed indefinitely so we know will not be happening before week 18 games and might just be cancelled or called a no contest we will probably at our playoff percentages who's in who's out thing have a little chat about what the possible implications of that would be in the end the outcome was correct of you know not playing on the game and so on but i don't think the nfl came off in a particularly good light here because every report from inside the building and every insider's sources is saying that the NFL were planning to just say, okay, back to work you lot, give them five minutes or ten minutes to warm back up and continue the game, when obviously you can't really expect them to be doing that. And it took the coaches and the quarterbacks of the two teams to say, no, fuck that, and saying they won't for it to happen. And then the NFL scrambled, held a press conference and so on to try and line all its ducks in a row and say, oh, well, this is because we're concerned. But literally every report from inside the building says they were planning to just send these teams back out to continue playing, which is not a good look. No, the, the NFL, to be fair, in its official statements, I think in particular from Troy Vincent, the VP, did say, no, we always plan to stop the game once we realised the severity of what was going on. I suppose, fortunately, this year, this isn't the first time that someone has been unconscious, uh, fallen uh, spontaneously on the field. It just happened in this case, it was a cardiac arrest incident, which obviously, you know, concussion is obviously really, really 
bad, but obviously mm. a heart attack is another level even above that in terms of a immediate acute emergency. And of course, you know, shout out to all of the emergency responders and medical personnel who did an amazing job to perform a CPR and to resuscitate him on the field. And I believe he may have needed to be resuscitated once more in the hospital as well. So, you know, he is getting some of the best care possible. You know, obviously that's huge in terms of his probability of, of minimizing the chance of negative outcomes uh, from this. Yeah. But, but like, look, I think the biggest problem for the NFL from perception point of view was, you know, when this happens on the field, no one knows what's going on. You got the announcers trying to tell people at home what's going on. And they're basically trying to fill the time. You had did have a situation where Joe Burrow was doing some practice reps on, on the side of the field. And there was definitely discussions happening about this, about whether to continue or not. But I think once the severity of what had occurred became obvious, then I think the, the coaches and the players made it very obvious that they wouldn't play. And to be fair, the NFL at least turned around pretty quickly and said, okay, this is definitely not going to happen. And then even in the immediate hour of the game, there was talk about, okay, the rules would generally say this game we played in the next two days. The NFL quickly realized that that was incorrect as well and has now postponed it indefinitely. Now, there, there's reasons why they'd want to avoid that considering how much complications this will create given this was a playoff-relevant game. But thankfully, the right decisions are being made more often and now uh, as you know public pressure uh, and you know morals come true something the nfl has got somewhat better about in recent <laughs> years i would say so so, so they know. say performatively better about you perform doing the right thing as long as you're doing the right thing it's still better than the alternative the main thing that we're getting now is that most of the, the reports about his condition have been generally positive though still very scary you know obviously being ventilated and sedated is obviously mean you know recognizes severity of what's going on here uh, but generally the the outlook is good and you know it's obviously way too early to tell but like there was a similar incident in Euro 2020 where the mm-hmm. Danish superstar footballer Christian Eriksen had a cardiac arrest on the field as well he is now playing for Manchester United week in week out so we don't know it's way too early to tell if Demar Hamilton can make a full recovery and get back on the field obviously the number one priority is just that he's able to get back to having a normal life but you know there is at least some sparks that this uh, wouldn't be the end for obviously a guy who's just got his opportunity this year after an injury to a, to a fellow safety you know this is a life-changing moment for him and for everyone else in that Buffalo team and you know at least you're seeing some positive outcomes here in terms of all that money going to uh, his charity uh which I think is most related to a toy drive, but may expand, of course, with the yeah. very big difference in, in, in the amount of money that's coming in. But like, look, the main thing is that all of our thoughts and prayers, to use that cliche term, are definitely with Hamlin and with his family and for him to have a full recovery and to potentially get back in the NFL field. The, the football stuff, I think we could talk about more in the playoff pr- projections yeah. point of view. But right now, the main thing to take away is that there doesn't seem to be any plan. I've heard things ranging from uh, running it in the, 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 you know, extending the season by a week, you know, cancelling the Pro Bowl, having like a kind of random number generator is one of the latest reports. Oh, so. Well, yeah, that, that, that's from a reporter who has demonstrably shown themselves to not have any insiders because they, they get everything yeah. they report wrong. So we, we don't know what's going to happen right now. Like, you know, the NFL has shown flexibility in the past in emergency situations, COVID-19, 9-11 back in the day. So they will find a way yeah. uh, to either cancel the game and move on or to shuffle things around. But, you know, that's way, way secondary at this point. And uh, the main thing is that hopefully Hamlin can have a, a full recovery. 
covering. Yeah, like I said, we'll discuss the details of that later on. Uh, the other one, just to note on this, is go fuck yourself to all of those far-right people who decided to try and use this as an opportunity to rag on vaccines again. Absolutely nothing to do with this. You people are scum. Yeah, let's move on to some injuries then. Minnesota centre Austin Schlotzman has done his fibula and he's gone for the season. Offensive tackle Brian O'Neill has injured his calf. He's gone for the season. Seattle linebacker Jordan Brooks is an ACL. Andrew, he's gone for the season and because it's an ACL, it might probably impact him next year. And Indianapolis Colts quarterback Nick Folds has injured his rib. He's done for the season. Their quarterback Sam Ellinger will play in week 18. There was some controversy over that one as well. Justin Trivo, who hit Nick Foles and caused the injury, sitting down beside him making snow angels, like basically just being a complete piece of shit because... I've seen the video of it. He definitely saw Foles wincing in pain beside him. He had people pull him off to get him away from that. And then when he got onto the side, he started mimicking putting someone to sleep because he put him out of the game with an injury. Like, that is scumbag behavior. Yeah, and I imagine he'll probably get a fine for it. But you would think, you know, with the sensitivity there was around taunting penalties, it might have been the one time the refs would have been completely justified at throwing a flag and giving at least something on the field in terms of punishment. Oh, yeah. As you said, it was a bit of a dick move. As for the actual uh, injuries that I suppose are playoff-relevant teams, Minnesota are in the playoffs, but now they've, they're, they're going to miss out on Austin Schlotman, who was their backup centre, so they're now down to their third centre, and they're going to now miss one of their best offensive linemen uh, tackle, Brian O'Neill. And there's a pretty big drop-down from O'Neill to the backups, like who are swing tackles or guys like Udo, who have played in previous seasons. And you know, there's reasons why they've invested in that offensive line over the years. Early outings for the Kirk Cousins offence with a bad offensive line against Green Bay were not very positive to say the least uh, so this even more than before the Vikings may be on the uh, road to a whooping in the first round of the playoffs uh, and as for Jordan Brooks he's been a really decent like first round pick for, for Seattle he's been an important part of the linebacker cores which are very thin in Seattle these days he was basically brought in to be the replacement for Bobby Wagner and has filled in not to the same level but been solid so mm-hmm. definitely a loss there and definitely obviously a major consideration uh, in the off season when they may need to look at linebacker depth if he's likely to miss time next season so not, not good for either of these teams Minnesota in particular given they're in the playoffs uh not great for their chances, I would say. We'll go down to a couple of the kind of slightly lower level injuries. Miami quarterback Teddy Bridgewater has injured his finger and he's questionable for week 18. Tua is still unlikely to be playing because he's in the concussion protocol ongoing and it sounds like there's something a little bit more serious going on in the background there. They have now added Mike Glennon to the squad as an additional backup, so the, that that's good news. Philadelphia defensive line takes a little bit more of a knock here. Josh Sweat is injured his neck. He's week to week likely to miss week 18. Giants defensive liner Leonard Williams is injured his neck. He's week to week. He'll probably be rested anyway because they've already qualified and I don't think they can actually move their seating. San Francisco offensive lineman Aaron Banks is injured his ankle and his knee so he's week to week. Linebacker Dre Greenlaw back week to week. Both are likely to miss week 18. Their hope is back for the playoffs and obviously again they're playing for very little this week apart from a Philadelphia slip uh, but we'll get into that afterwards. And Dallas more offensive line troubles. Tyler Biadas, their offensive tackle, has injured his ankle and he will miss week 18, but he is expected back for the playoffs. So let's have a look at this. Miami kind of theoretically playing for a spot. Philly playing for seeding. Giants are already qualified. San Francisco are already qualified and kind of playing for seeding, possibly Dallas similarly. So these are, particularly with the majority of these looking to be back in a week or two, probably not the most impactful of injuries, although it will lead to lower quality of football in week 18. So I think the big one here is obviously Teddy Bridgewater, who was brought in because Tua entered a concussion protocol after having some uh, bad symptoms, uh, I believe. 
the report that came out after last week's podcast was that he couldn't recall some plays that had occurred when they were re- when they were replaying tape from the Sunday game. That's obviously not a great sign there. Uh, and obviously major questions about his future uh, that'll have to be answered in the offseason. But obviously they're in a make and break week. They could still get into the playoffs if they win and New England lose against Buffalo, which obviously takes on a different tenor now that game, uh, given what just happened this week. But obviously not great options there. Skylar Thompson, Mike Lennon, regardless, a major step down, you would imagine, from Tua and then down to Teddy, down to someone like that. So, you know, Miami's playoff hopes probably take a major hit there. Josh Sweat, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the big thing from that is that it looked pretty scary on the field that was one of the ones where there's a lot of like yeah took a long time to get him off the field obviously neck injuries we know there are issues there and obviously given what we just seen with Damar Hamlin we definitely it's good that usually these things don't turn out to be as serious as they could be um it seems like he will be fine for the playoffs uh, but Philly have plenty of defensive line depth anyway so they should be fine Leonard Williams obviously a huge player for the Giants and they would probably rest him even if there was some playoff chances for like problems but given where they are there's no way they can risk him but obviously neck injuries they can be of various different severity so they're hoping to have him back for the playoffs but but we'll see similar for the san francisco guys aaron banks and drake lean they're hoping to have them back but uh, either of these injuries could sustain longer than that i think they're more optimistic about Aaron Banks, Drake Greenlaw. A big, he's probably a bigger player for them, however, so uh, they'll definitely want him back uh, to, to go with Fred Warner, to, that really good linebacker core they have. And Tyler Bidies, it just kind of makes things more difficult for Dallas. They'll have to shift things around on their offensive line again. They have enough depth that they can probably make it work, but yeah, they'll probably be a bit weaker, particularly at that centre position. So, you know, all ones that you know, are to keep an eye on for the teams who actually end up making the playoffs. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't think any of them, except for the Teddy situation, are make or break for, for these teams. So let's go and have a look at the games from last week. So first up, in a game that I don't think any of us were expecting to be this close or this exciting, San Francisco at the Vegas Raiders, 37-34 to in overtime. San Francisco escaped a wild game. Stidham came in and said, hey, maybe I'm not terrible. 399 yards, three touchdowns and two interceptions. Later, they finally came home and stuck in overtime with an interception that allows them to kind of lose the game. But, you know... It was interesting. Stidham came in. He looked more comfortable in the system than Carr. He was getting a lot of work out of Adams, who had a couple of phenomenal catches in this game. I think he went for over 150 and two touchdowns. Yeah, it was it was an impressive outing. And as I said, like I out of the lump of us on this show anyway, definitely rate Carr the lowest. I would say, but yeah, like this seemed like a remarkable step up. But this is you know Stidham worked in this system previously as a backup and is probably kind of quite comfortable in the verbiage and the types of plays that are running. So maybe he's a little bit more used to what what the coach is looking to get. On the other side, Purdy looked fine, like two hundred eighty four yards, two touchdowns, and interception. This constant thing of like I'm I'm finding him impossible to evaluate because. He seems to do pretty much okay, but then it's like, it's a good team and he has strong weapons around him. So like, I don't know what the floor of a quarterback playing in this system is. So like, Ayuk had over 100 yards and a touchdown. Christian McCaffrey had just shy of 200 yards and a touchdown. And frankly, it should have been two or three touchdowns. He had a couple of spots where he went down on the one and they didn't uh, they didn't give him the goal line carry. And this like, the Las Vegas defense held up early in this game but then just started to collapse later on and we're just letting them score on every single try this is a game that like vegas were up early on and then and then kind of fell all the way back down to earth but i don't know is this san francisco taking the eye off the ball not really thinking that much about this game and looking past 
a team into the playoffs or is this, you know, the surprise of a new quarterback they don't have tape on instead of just knowing the system well enough? Because like in theory, this is the terrifyingly best defense in the NFL and everyone should be afraid of it. But this is a dog shit Raiders team being led by a backup quarterback because they've had to bench their starter with a head coach who we all were saying, if it wasn't for the money, would be fired immediately. And they went to feckin' overtime with them. Like, because to me, yes, Stidham overperformed, but San Francisco just looked to kind of go in on themselves a bit. Like, you can't be letting Stidham score 34 points on you. I think it's kind of one of those weird situations. Like, Vegas have kind of been like this this year, right? They're usually terrible. And this season, objectively taken as a whole, was really bad. And there's been some games with inexplicable play where, in particular, Devontae Adams has just disappeared for games for no good reason. And some of that might be Derek Carr, some of that might be just poor coaching, some of that just might be the type, the team is just in a complete transition state while still investing lots of money in veterans. It's kind of a weird team, but they have had spike games, and this happened to be the biggest, spikiest game of all, which seems appropriate for the game where Jared Stidham is thrown in there instead of Carr. I think, you know, it is important to note, as you as you said, that, you know, Stidham obviously has a lot of experience because he was a backup in New England when Josh McDaniels was the offensive coordinator. So he is incredibly familiar with the with the system and he seemed very comfortable with what he was seeing out there. And Vegas did have a bunch of their weapons back. Like Hunter Renfro was back in healthy. Darren Waller was back in healthy. You know, and they've kind of been at the healthiest that they have been for, for the long time in this season. So, you know, there's a lot of things coming together to maybe give them the offense that they thought that they would have. But even given that, it's still extraordinary what they did like they did against one of the best defenses in the league Jared Stidham to be fair to him he didn't just get here through luck it kind of felt like he he did see things he obviously was playing the system really well and I think the biggest thing that stood to him was his poise in the pocket and his willingness to take punishment I was going to say there was a couple of ones where like he took absolute shots to get the ball out there there was one particularly like kind of cross field one where he got creamed on it but it was uh it was genuinely impressive and I think one thing that he did that maybe Carr doesn't do, because he's a little bit conservative, it feels like these days, is that when there was a one-on-one with Devontae Adams, he's like, I'm going to give it to Devontae Adams. I don't really care if he's open. A bit like how Kyler Murray treats DeAndre Hopkins. And Devontae Adams in this game kept showing up. There was one touchdown uh, like in the red zone where there's no way Devontae Adams should have tr- scored that fucking touchdown. He basically had a guy draped all yeah. over him had to go up one-handed, toe-tapped, and there was a few plays from Adams that were ridiculous like that. I think, you know, Devontae Adams has shown this year that he wasn't just the kind of over-the-shoulder, like, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers uh, vibe machine. He's also just a really, really good wide receiver in pretty much every aspect. He can go deep, he can win one-on-one, he can win contested, he can do everything, and, you know, he certainly, he's one of the few people who's increased his uh, reputation on this Raiders team. So I think, I don't know how sustainable this is, but this will obviously just increase the chance that Stidham will be given a chance to at least compete uh, for the starting job here assuming well, that Carr no. is gone and, well no because uh, cl- clearly we're going to do exactly what the what McDonough's plan is they're going to bring Brady in and they're going to sit Stidham behind well that, that well, Stidham at least <laughs> will be used to that so yeah, at least that would make sense. But like, look, I think for Vegas, like if you're looking towards next year, at least you saw some positive things here. Assuming Devontae Adams is still around, big question mark over that. Assuming Josh Jacobs is still around next year, big question marks over that. But assuming that they want to keep the band together outside of Carr, then there are at least things to build around here uh, for whoever happens to be quarterback next year. As for San Francisco, I think you have to be concerned. You know, obviously other teams are going to study what the Vegas Raiders did here. Obviously McDaniels is a really uh, high level offensive coordinator, so it may not be replicable, particularly the time available, but 
but you know when it's one on one in the playoffs teams will try and you know build in the things they think can beat the other team so a bit of a concern here that the defense which has really been carrying the team uh, for long periods of the season suddenly just collapsed here no, no other word for it and oh, just to say to him like he had two interceptions but like one was a deflection uh, it was only really the one in OT that was really his fault I would say so mm. yeah I think the magic eventually wore out but he was broadly a very positive similarly for Purdy he was fine 284 to interception obviously his connection with Ayuk was pretty solid 101 at touchdown and he had a few he had a few unfortunate plays I think with George Kittle where George Kittle I think was certainly open and he just missed them by a little bit there but I think we have seen some degradation from the first week or two where he's in there and he seemed to be making big plays every uh, you know every down now it seems to be more hesitation a little bit more like jumpiness with the feet people have noticed this over the last yeah, few weeks yeah. and he isn't quite a decisive guy that they had early on so maybe teams are taking away the things that he was really good at initially and he was he is a slightly different quarterback from someone like Jimmy G because he is willing to throw it downfield a bit more than Jimmy G was ever particularly along the sideline so maybe teams are like okay he's not Jimmy G here's some things we need to take care of and, mm-hmm. and not allow as much and obviously but like I think you know the big thing is that CFC I think he has an ankle injury uh, but is playable this week if they want to but he should be there for the playoffs was obviously the engine of this team and you finally seen the last couple of weeks that Shanahan's just willing to put him completely in control of this offense and I imagine that will be a big trend in the playoffs where obviously you know durability and blah 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 won't really matter because it's all about getting that ring so CMC still looks like his usual magic self great in the pass game great running between the tackles nearly 200 yards here so once they get Debo Samuel back in the playoffs and they have the band back together the offense can probably pick up the slack here even if the defense does take a step back but if the defense if this is just a once off the defense and they get back into form and this offense has all of its things together then I think San Francisco should be a legitimately fear fear, fearsome team um, and this will probably be quickly forgotten once we get down to the real action. Uh, next up, Carolina at Tampa Bay. This one was for the division, effectively. 24-30, to 30, Tom Brady. My God, Carolina just couldn't get out of their own way here. Tom Brady goes for 432 yards and three touchdowns in a game where, frankly, he didn't look that good for the majority of the game. He just kept finding Evans, Evans, Evans. Uh, 207 yards, three touchdowns, all basically on the same route as well. He just had this little kind of, like, wiggle and go on the on the right hash or whatever. But, like, it was just, just ridiculous. So they were down 21 to 10 yeah they've basically won the the nfc south now even though they kind of kept trying to let them back into it uh godwin also went over 100 yards in it but their defense like okay their defense did well i find it hard to separate whether or not their defense did incredibly well or just sam darnold completely pantsed himself in this one so the defense for Tampa Bay had an interception, two fumble recoveries, two sacks, four tackles for a loss, and kept their run game to like sub 50 yards. It was very impressive going. But Sam Darnold, like, he threw 360 yards, three touchdowns. That sounds good. He had an interception. He had two fumbles. He was all over the place in the game. Every time they started to get a little bit of momentum, he'd throw a pick or he'd lose a handoff or he'd just feck it up somehow. And then Brady would just go, okay, well, I'm just going to pass the exact same route to Godwin because it's worked and they haven't adjusted their Ask Madden settings on defense because this Carolina defense was fine at the start and then just kept running out the same thing, didn't adjust and just got fecked. Like I said, literally go watch the Evans touchdowns. They're all the same route. Like there's no intricacy to it. They just went, oh, right. Well, they just don't have the personnel to cover him deep there. Grant, I'm just going to run that at them, spam it every time. Yeah, like look, it'll be fun to see Brady in here because again like I said we expect this to be his last year he might not he might as I say go to the Raiders or something like that afterwards but it shows that they can still get hot like 
400 yards and three touchdowns in what I wouldn't consider a particularly strong Brady performance shows that, you know, he can he, he, he can get performance even when he's not playing the best. Particularly fun given that there was all that kind of discussion of him scrapping with Evans and them not getting along fantastically well. Now he's like over 200 yards and three touchdowns. But yeah, like Carolina, it's unfortunate. They should have really had this in hand. Like they scored three points to 20 points or whatever after having that lead. So just, just collapsing and not adjusting. Sad times for them. Tampa Bay... Not exactly terrifying going into the playoffs, but they do have that feel of a team that could just get hot and win a game or two, right? Yeah, like obviously we, we've seen them do this in the past, not be great for a while and then get hot towards the end of the season. Obviously in their Super Bowl season, they did that to an extreme, which I don't think that's likely to happen given everything's a little bit older and staler than it was then. But there are is enough talent here. We've kind of been waiting all year for them to become relevant but i still see them as a one and done team let's be honest once we get into the actual into the competition i think the the big thing for tampa bay is at least they got that deep ball back we've mostly this season seen that tom brady to mike evans uh, deep ball thing turn into tragic moments where mike evans is streaking completely open and brady misses him by a yard or two to at least see that be accurate again is probably a Mm. big positive if you're a tampa bay team because having that deep element is really important to ensuring that you know some of the pressure is taken off what is a outside of chris godwin fairly mediocre i would say intermediate array of tools obviously there's no gronk there anymore um you're relying on guys like russell gage to get open as wide receivers or you know, it's really the Mike Evans deep ball show to kind of at least open things up so you could potentially run the ball in the playoffs. Uh, although they did try to run here and it wasn't particularly effective. So, you know, they found something that worked. They they kept riding it over there. And obviously Carolina were probably very much ruining the loss of JC Horn here as CJ Henderson, who's a guy who they picked up in the offseason, put one on one with Mike Evans and was basically got... There's a reason why CJ Henderson's considered a bust as a former first rounder. And he was busted pretty badly by Evans, who to be fair is a future Hall of Famer receiver but has not had the best season and neither has Brady so you know some of the uh, hate has to probably go on his end uh, Godwin also had 100 y- over 100 yards so you know if they have Evans they have Godwin and they get the run game going then they have a chance but overall they're, they're just not inspiring as for the defense yeah I think you're right like they're not the fearsome defense that they had a couple of years ago but I think you know the way the Carolina has won most of their games and the stretch to become relevant was by basically running it down right down your throat they did this to Seattle they did this to Detroit and they won a couple of games that way but effectively Tampa Tampa Bay have still a pretty good run defense. They kept them under 50 yards, he said, under three yards of carry. And obviously, game script kind of got out of the way from Carolina just towards the end of this game. And, you know, Darnold, I think it was probably, you saw probably the most worrisome thing for a Carolina fan, which is that Darnold actually played pretty well. He showed flashes of why he was considered such a highly touted talent. You know, he had a few nice runs with his legs. Um, he made a few nice throws. But I think you're right. Like, when the chips were down and that they had to undo this deficit, he didn't really do that well. Now, they got one touchdown to make it, like, somewhat close here, as you can see in the end. But, you know, you did see those same inaccuracies, those same lack of quality decision-making and anticipation for why he's never going to be, like, a, like a number one franchise-type quarterback. But what you'd worry is that, you know, given the other options available... Carolina might end up going well you know we won a few games with him let's see what we have here he's still only 25 and I think that would be just another wasted year for Carolina perfect I just don't yeah. think he's good enough like I think if you put him into the perfect situation um, or give him like the perfect coach like if you gave him like like uh, Sean McVay you, he could be a solid quarterback like a Jared Goff type quarterback maybe but he's never going to be an elite quarterback and in the NFL in the long run if you don't have an elite quarterback you're not going anywhere and you know 
I think they have things to build around here. They are a solid team. I think they should get some decent candidates in the coaching look. I think there's some rumors about Jim Harbaugh, for example. Well, um, Jim Harbaugh so, did come out today and say he expects to be coaching in Michigan next year. But Jim Harbaugh says a lot of things. Like <laughs> we'll, does, we'll get true. into that in a, in a few in next week and going forward. But I think for Carolina, it would be a mistake to go with Darnold. Maybe it's a competition if they can't find someone truly elite. But I think we we, we know who Sam Darnold is. He could definitely improve. But I I just don't see the the, the tools to be a truly elite quarterback unless he get some really good coaching so yeah I, I would worry that at least think by missing the playoffs it's less likely but it's still a possibility of course uh, next up Miami at New England 21 to 23 game changing second half pick six swings the game as New England are able to kind of pinch it away from Miami Miami as we mentioned in the earlier section lost another quarterback Teddy Bridgewater heard his in, uh, is it his summer's finger it's one of them anyway 161 yards a touchdown and interception so he hadn't been exactly blowing the doors off it and Thompson came in and gave him a similar but to be honest frankly not quite as decisive performance uh, he had 104 yards a touchdown and interception like the New England defense really did their job in this one they kept Hill and Waddle for the most part quiet sub 60 yards a pop they were probably the best unit in this game on Patriots offense Mac looked fine like little over 200 yards he had two touchdowns no major mistakes in it which was which is fine Miami kind of focused on stopping the run so that just ended up being a bit boring really I think they averaged about 4.3 carries and 74 yards on the ground but yeah just not just not great like to be honest it was kind of, I suppose, how you draw it up for New England to, to, to win, although I think they would have preferred knock that down, make that 16 to 14 or something would be what they'd, they they prefer the score wine to be. But I don't know what it is about this Miami team because I don't think it's just the Tua thing. I think they're looking more and more like the team we saw at the, st- at the very start of the year that we just kind of went, this is a collection of nice pieces, but like it doesn't have backbone and it doesn't know really what to do when it gets punched. Like, it's high-flying offense. It doesn't have kind of heft. Like, even their run game doesn't feel like it kind of knows what it's doing. I get very confused by even if Miami fully understands what they're doing other than getting a bunch of fun things together and seeing what happens. Like, was it Kasiki had the had the touchdown in this one or he had the big... And you kind of looked at him and went... Like, this is a pass-catching tight end who's quite good, who you've had on your roster. You've given him half the amount of touches he got last year. Uh, you're deciding now to use him because you just didn't want a pass-catching tight end in your in in your lineup. And now they're going, well, I suppose we kind of have to now. And it works. Like, there are elements in this Miami team that I really like. And then there's elements that are just like, do you have a fucking clue what you're doing? I just, I don't understand some of the decisions they make in it. And then on the New England side, like I said, basically what we'd expect from them, keeping their playoff hopes albeit at a distance alive defense looking good offense looking passable i'm sure mac jones is just praying that they actually you know get rid of matt patricia and bring in an offensive coordinator instead of a moron with a crayon neither team inspiring much confidence kind of a a grim end to miami's end of the season a surprisingly okay end for a new england season that i think we all thought was going to be a little bit worse still just kind of mostly elicits a sigh for me because Obviously, New England are now in control of their playoff fate. We'll talk about that in, the, in a while. But, you know, this New England team is just very difficult to like. Because even though, obviously, Bill Belichick has done an amazing job taking a not particularly talented set of players and turning into one of the best defenses in the league, it's not that particularly inspiring. Like, there are exceptions. Like, Kyle Duggar's had a really good season. And, obviously, he got the really important pick six here, which not only swung the game and gave New England the first lead of the game, but also was the play that Teddy injured his finger on. So, obviously, double the value, I suppose, if you're a New England fan. And from there, New England were mostly just able to grind it out. Like, Mac Jones 
look, he was his usual middling. Like this offense is one of the most difficult to watch in the league. It it feels like you know you know when you give like a big Lego Star Wars to a five year old, and then you know it's a week later and they still have no idea what they're doing and they're just building stuff and you know you're like what this was why did you give them this this this, this made no sense and that's just how it feels like when you have Matt Patricia in there like running by baby's Fisher Price first offense and he has guys running into each other like I think people have noted like a, a number of weeks now that no other team but New England has the number of wide receivers just running into the exact same spot or falling over each other it's just really pathetic to be perfectly frank and if I was Mac Jones I'd be kind of annoyed at it and you know to be fair to Mac you know he worked with what he's had and he had the key touchdown drive here late that killed this as a contest and you know he was able to do that in the context where the run game was mostly kept in check by Miami um, here so Ramondre Stevenson was only 42 yards and Damien Harris was only 32 yards like they, they were actually doing okay in terms of yards per carry but uh, you know they, they weren't using the run game for whatever reason so you know Mac Jones is working what they have but when you consider Mac Jones this season versus last season you're just so much less excited to see this team week on week as an offensive force and I'm sure Sean Sean will have more to say in that and has already said much in that in in recent weeks as for Miami like look the offense you know when you have Tyree Kill and you have Jalen Waddle and you're facing I think a defensive backfield that was missing three starters you're expecting fireworks and you get nothing and to be honest it's hard not to look at the quarterback situation and put a lot of the situation there Teddy Bridgewater it's many things but a deep throw explosive throw it up there guys like, like, I'm not. sorry I'm like, I, you hear so many uh, analysts going out of this Teddy Bridgewater is shite I've been on this corner for several years now Teddy Bridgewater is and always has been shite yeah but he you know nearly had his career ended so you can't be too you know, this is like the James Conner problem, Conner, for you again. You just sound like an asshole. But I think, like, I think you're right. I'm sorry. Like, I don't... like having, having, uh, having, having a tough injury or bad health doesn't change the fact that you're shit at your job. Like, yeah, but I think, I think the big thing is that it doesn't, it doesn't make sense for this personnel, right? This is a, it does have some timing elements, but the timing elements are designed to be really uh, successful in the intermediate to deep zones. Yeah, which and is Teddy just not, he can't, he can't get the ball that yeah, far. Like, he, he, yeah, he doesn't have the anticipation, and he certainly doesn't have the velocity to kind of do that success nowhere near Tua um, and so maybe that's why you see someone like Kasiki have a little bit more success with a guy like Teddy than he has in the Tua situation I think the biggest problem is that Mike McDaniel saw George Kittle in San Francisco and he's like I want a tight end like that and it's like no you don't have tight ends like that and he's like okay well I'm just going to use my tight ends then which is <laughs> to be fair worked enough this season that it's been okay I think to be honest like uh, and I'll get this is more of a, a, a like a broader context thing but the lack of success that we've seen for zone blocking schemes this year without the really struggled with the zone blocking running scheme and when you don't have the running scheme and teams are able to successfully take away Hill and Waddle and I'm sure a lot of teams are looking at New England what New England here to, did here in terms of stopping them in future seasons or potentially in the playoffs if Miami sneak in but you know it's it's definitely you know the things we saw that Mike McDaniel brought here worked really really well they were really really exciting and you know there's definitely stuff to build on there but he will definitely probably need to go into his bag of tricks this offseason and the guy seems really smart so I'm sure he does have the next evolution in mind but assuming that Tua can stay healthy for a season uh, after you know the concussion situation he will need to I think change the offense because it does get figured out and I think this team has been the definition of streaky so you know I, I would probably still rather see Miami in the playoffs because at least they have upside but you know fair play to New England you did it you got, you got your destiny in your own hands but I personally not particularly excited to see them in the playoffs if they do make it next up Pittsburgh at Baltimore 16 to 13 in a bit of a grinder Pittsburgh grind their way to the playoff picture Harris going for 123 yards and the touchdown catches a late touchdown to take the lead before Pittsburgh defense kind of 
get it finished. They did their job. Interception, sack, three tackles for a loss, held the offense of the Baltimore Ravens to 250 yards or thereabouts. They pick off Huntley, who had 154 yards of touchdown and interception to end Baltimore's hopes at a comeback. Yeah, this was essentially just a, a no one turned up for Baltimore, full stop. Like, Dobbins had 93 yards and Andrews had 100, and that was it. There was nothing else really of note. Pickett looked meh but fine clean i suppose is the term for it like hit 160 yards in the touchdown your hope really if you're baltimore because they didn't have all their players back was that you'd hope the defense would be able to to, to get this done for you but unfortunately not there and this has been not to say a bit of a trend fits but this is at least the second if not the third year where we've seen baltimore kind of collapse down the tail end and it's not a good look it shows that they're a bit you know Obviously, they're going to be player-dependent. Every team is going to look worse whenever their quarterback is out. But it just feels like there's no... Even if Lamar Jackson was in, it doesn't feel to be any urgency or spark about this offense at all. Pittsburgh's defense are looking good. Uh, their offense looked very bleh, but this was probably one of the better games for Harris. The question really is, because both of these teams are vying for playoff positions, I'd, I'd take New England over either of these teams, I think. <laughs> Like yeah, but that that that, that you know, like thankfully everyone outside you know New England uh, or slash Pittsburgh whoever makes the playoffs and Baltimore is very exciting. Thankfully, you know, with the Chargers and the Chiefs and the Bengals and the Bills and and the Jags like that and hopefully the Jags anyway. But you know these bottom end, yeah, like fair play to them. You know, like Pittsburgh, they they've really. Pittsburgh their way to eight and eight. You know, they're they're coming at 500. up on the five hundred being held. Yeah. yeah. Just need to beat Cleveland in week 18 and, and then they get the uh, the, the coveted keep uh, Tomlin's always above 500 record alive. Ah, but so. like the, the thing is, you know what's going to happen is if they lose it, they're just going to change it to, oh, he's never had a never had a season without at least eight wins. Yeah, but like, we, but he'd we know. know. He'd like, know. <laughs> you know. He'd know. We'd know. You know, you, you can't go full 1984 and just say we always been at war with Ossetti or whatever like that. But like, yeah, like Pittsburgh, like, look, they're, they're solid, okay? The, the, you know, ever since TJ Watt came back, the defense has started clicking again. They've become an effective defensive unit, and obviously here against a pretty poor offense, they were able to get the job done and hold them to less than two touchdowns. And then on the offense, look, I don't think Kenny Pickett's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes or anything like that, but you know, he could perhaps be the next Mac Jones. You know, like that's something. It'd it be great be if he could be the mid part, like if he could replace Andy Dalton, because then it could be the picket line. Well, exactly. Like I think he is kind of trending towards being that kind of quarterback you're never particularly delighted to have, but not particularly sad to have either. And he's obviously in a team in Pittsburgh, which perennially tends to contend, which is obviously incredibly well coached and tends to have good talent around him. So overall, you would expect that he could probably end up going to the playoffs, even if he isn't great. But look, he's a young player and he's in a fairly young offense and they're all growing together. I think Najee Harris has been had a very solid back end of the season after having a pretty torrid time in the middle of it and early on. Um, so that's positive to see, particularly if they make the playoffs. And obviously they have a wide receiver set who are quite talented, but you know maybe aren't quite living up to their hype right now because of Pickett's limitations. But you know the defense is the engine here. It did its job again. I expect them to be a difficult defense if they make it to the playoffs and to be kind of annoying, but probably not quite enough uh, given where the offense is right now. But the offense is growing here. And obviously because they're such a young team now on offense, there's a lot of room for growth and optimism going forward. As for Baltimore... Uh, yeah, I'm pretty concerned as you are. Uh, I think the, there's a certain line of thought, which is like, oh, it's grand. Lamar will get healthy and he will come back and they, they'll be exciting again. And A, 
the Lamar being healthy thing, like the whole situation there is a little bit off. Like the comments from Harbaugh on Lamar have all been a little bit strange. He's just like each week he's asked, is he healthy? And he's like, and he's like, I don't know. And it's just, I don't know what's happening. And obviously we know there's like some, you know, contractual stuff also in the background there. So I'm not quite convinced that A, will Lamar come back from the playoffs? And B, I'm certainly not convinced that he'll come back and just re-energize everything because some of the issues with this offense are structural. They have no wide receivers to speak of, like Deshaun Jackson, Demarcus Robinson. These are kind of their top wide receivers right now. And at least Mark Andrews here at a big game over 100 yards. But, you know, outside that, it's like, is he likely? Is he going to do things? Like, so they have Dobbins and they have Andrews and maybe they get Lamar back. So maybe it'll make sense. But yeah, given how much this team has put on for that back half of the season they'd certainly if they could be removed from the playoffs I certainly wouldn't be against it but unfortunately they they had that locked up they're going to be in there and obviously given where they've been before they could certainly turn it around and show us all up but based on what they've put on paper and put on tape for the last couple of weeks they're just bad uh, their defense at least is quite good so it's like it's competitive but the offense it just feels broken and I'm not sure there's any way they can fix it in the time they have left available to them. So, you know, a classic AFC North battle for the ages here is two teams grind each other out and Pittsburgh yeah. keep their playoff hopes alive with a another classic Spurgeon win after having a few of those in a row. Well, as we say, all games are important, just some significantly less so than others. And those are the ones that Fitz loves the best. So let's let Fitz have them in the dump off. Nearly done with the dump offs this 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 year. One more to go oh, after. Oh, who knows? Who knows? We could get some real stinkers in the playoffs. <laughs> All right. So let's start with Denver at Kansas City, twenty four to twenty seven. A surprisingly close game, which the Chiefs have kind of been getting involved. They've kind of been slopping out of fields like the last uh, back end of the season. They've been playing. Thank some you, really Dave Taub. You know, Kansas City, they escape here again. Mahomes had three touchdowns here, and he kind of mixed his usual magic. He, you know, when Denver got ahead here, he quickly undid that. He's like, no, that's incorrect. It just makes no sense, and he fixed it. But, you know, he did have his red zone interception. Him and um, Allen have both been doing a bit more of those interceptions than you would really like, but we'll see if they clean that up in the playoffs when things actually matter and they actually have to pay attention again. It really was the special team sloppiness here that kept Denver hanging around. They had a fumble, they missed the PAT, they missed the field goal, letting Denver hang around, and Russell Wilson and, you know, with the new um, interim head coach, Rosberg, had probably one of his better games this season. 249 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. I don't know if that puts him ahead of the, the toilet watch, but he's looked at least somewhat competent, uh, particularly as they chose to actually run him a bit. Um, and he seemed to be, you know, still able to run a little bit at least. And at least that got things moving somewhat. And he even had a fairly deep touchdown over the middle, which is kind of his being a forte in Seattle. $55 million a year for the next five years. Look, I'm, I'm trying to look at the positives for them here. Like, they've gone through a lot, Connor. Denver deserves something. Like, you Suck won, it, Denver. Suck you it, won. Denver. Suck it, Denver. <laughs> you won, Connor. Most of these teams all tried to beat you, and they're all failed again. But anyway, that, that was fine. But then we saw towards the end of this game when the Kansas City defense heated up in particular, and there was uh, four sacks total. Most of these come at the end of the game when the game was on the line, and they had a chance to still win this game. And they had, I think, a few drives where they just didn't do it and Kansas City went to this really conservative mode again, but kind of weird stuff there. Uh, but anyway, like, I think you saw the limitations there. Like, you know, you can't just fix everything by firing the head coach and running Russell Wilson more. There are more systemic problems here, probably starting with Russell Wilson himself, but at least you saw some there. But hey, Denver fans uh, were, were too worried about that because they were too busy complaining about uh, that sudden OPI call and some other referee calls. So, you know, at least they can keep up with you, Connor, in terms of uh, hating on the refs. Next up, New Orleans at Philly, 20-10. to 10. Surprise win here, obviously, for New Orleans, who stopped Philly on the second chance of getting number one seed uh, so they will be forced to play their starters in week 18 including probably Jalen Hurts the Lattimore pick six that kind of was the cherry on top here of what was a pretty awful game for Gardner Minshew I don't think uh, fans will be clamoring for him to start again 
um, at any time in the future. He was quite inaccurate. Like, you know, Philly did have one bad ref call where a guy pancaked a guy and they called it holding. But besides that, like, they just didn't really have much. Like, a lot of it was on themselves. Like, you know, despite that ref call being, being kind of bullshit. The New Orleans defense obviously did most of the work here. You know, they had interceptions, six sacks, four tackles for a loss. And they were just holding the fort because while Dalton and Co. and the New Orleans offense were solid in the first half, he was 200 yards uh, mostly in the first half. And Jason Hill got another touchdown. Hooray. But they basically just stopped doing things in the second half. Like, they got, you know, 13 of their points in the first half. And obviously the other seven points came from the defense in the second half. And that's good. You know, to be fair, a lot of that's the Philly defense, which had a seven sacks, nine tackles for a loss. They had the interception as well. So, you know, the Philly defense certainly did its role. It's just the offense couldn't get off the mat and do something here. But yeah, not great for Philly as they, you know, are forced to play again. I think the importance of Jalen Hurts is very much underlined by the last uh, two weeks. Uh, but New Orleans, you know, to be fair to them, I think, you know, if we think about the season as a whole, you know, I think they've been unlucky with injuries. Once you see this defense back to full strength, you kind of see what it could have been. But unfortunately, uh, too little too late as Tampa Bay's win eliminated the rest of the NFC South. Next up, Cleveland to Washington, 24-10. Washington eliminated from the playoffs. What a huge surprise. It apparently was a surprise to Ron Rivera afterwards at the press conference. But who knew that starting Carson Wentz would be a terrible mistake? Only everyone in the world. And in this case, it was a mistake to tally the three interceptions and just an inept terrible offense to go with what's one of the most pedestrian run games in the league uh, 33 attempts for 117 yards hooray and just overall like Cleveland were equally bad the first half but they finally found something in the second half Watson ended up with three touchdowns and 200 yards albeit one of those was off a Harry Cooper just getting the ball juking at the defender and just running the rest away for a touchdown so that ignited the Cleveland offense and they got some more solid from there Cooper got another touchdown late on at least it was some offense and at least Watson looked somewhat comfortable and at least Chubb went over 100 yards so if you're a Cleveland fan at least you're seeing things which is better than what you saw in the first few weeks of Watson but, uh, it's still not things that make me particularly optimistic for Cleveland and to be honest I'm perfectly okay with that next up Minnesota at Green Bay oh boy Minnesota embarrassing themselves pooping their pants uh, in a big game where they had a chance here potentially to stay relevant for the number one seed that's gone and they let Huzzah. their hated rivals control their own destiny for the playoffs oh my god well done Minnesota you truly are the most fraud of fraudulent teams to say that Green Bay won this game doesn't do justice like most of these points from Minnesota came very much in the garbage of garbage time Green Bay won in all phases Rodgers was solid 109 hey. yards and a touchdown Jones went over 100 yards the defense got three interceptions including a pick six they've got a forced fumble two sacks three tackles for a loss three points up until really late in this game and Cousins just didn't know what to do now to be fair look they have they had two offensive line injuries early in this game with the center and tackle and so you know they were forced to do their first read and they couldn't do adjustments and stuff but don't care cousin's bad ha ha ha, ha. especially because justin jefferson was held to 15 yards here so uh, he did not have a good game and uh, not just not getting any yards but getting into many disputes uh with the green bay sideline one which he accidentally possibly deliberately uh, took off his helmet and hit a referee across the back I don't know why he avoided any suspension for that but Jair uh, Alexander really got the first last laugh here for Green Bay and the special teams kicked in here early to kind of get, start the roll over here uh, they got a they had a return touchdown they blocked the punt they forced uh, Vikings to miss a few field goals so yeah just overall embarrassing day for Minnesota Green Bay in control of their own destiny and get one over the rivals great days all brand for them apparently Next up, Indianapolis the Giants, 10-38. We get into some of the more uh, less interesting blowouts and more expected blowouts here. 
Um, the Giants, they secured the playoff spot. They're now in the playoffs and they're locked in at the number six seed, I believe. They beat Indianapolis, who in theory are still playing football, but in actuality, paper. Uh, team, they just don't exist at this point. Uh, Danny Dines went for four touchdowns, two with the air, two with his legs, and the Giants' defense just suffocated Nick Foles, who obviously was knocked out early in this game and was writhing in pain. As you mentioned, uh, Thibodeau had a pretty poor taste celebration with the uh, Snow Angels beside his twitching body. Pretty ugly to see. Ailing came in through the touchdown, but he was terrible as well. And you know the run game is okay, but Indianapolis are just nothing at this point. Um, thankfully, they probably won't have to deal with Saturday uh, in the future years. Next up, Chicago at Detroit, 10 to 41. Chicago uh, get absolutely dominated by their divisional rivals. The Detroit stay alive in the playoff hunt. Goff, 255, three touchdowns, pretty solid there. Jamal Williams, you know, grinding down Chicago to assault out the game. 140 yards and a touchdown. And there was some solid plays from guys like uh, Dondre Swift and stuff as well. As for Chicago, there was a early on. They looked exciting. Fields had some really nice big rushes, but eventually, you know, especially as the game script went against them, Detroit's defense could key on them and they got an interception, a fumble, seven sacks, five tackles for a loss, uh, three of these sacks going to Houston, their kind of breakout star on that defense alongside Hutchinson. And so Fields, lots of rushing yards, 132, but most of those came early and it got worse as the, as the game went on. And he certainly is feeling worse for where it feels like uh, after taking so many hits this season, they definitely need to do something to protect them going forward. Next up, the Jets at Seattle, 6-23. Seattle stay alive by eliminating the Jets from the playoff contention. They got off to a hot start here. They were 17-6 at the half, thanks to Walker having some nice big runs early, 133 yards in total by the end. And Gino was able to unpick the remainder of the Jets' defense, which, to be fair, is still a good defense. They had four sacks, five tackles for a loss, but uh, Gino did enough here and gets his revenge, uh, for lack of a better term, I suppose. Um, Mike White had a bad game. He had three turnovers, uh, less than 250 yards, but he very similar to Baker Mayfield last season where he's playing with a brace and he just doesn't have the same ability can't control the ball which is incredibly inaccurate I just have to say it's probably the brace and the injury he just can't throw the way that he is right now and I don't think he's as bad as this next time I think some people were very harsh on him and I feel a lot of it's just the, the similar to Baker Mayfield last year it's just you know you can't throw with that type of injury right now um Seattle's defense was able to take advantage uh, three turnovers obviously four tackles six tackles for a loss so you know, the Jets got into a bad game script. They couldn't come back, and, and an accurate quarterback who's injured just wasn't able to do anything. Next up, Dallas at Tennessee, 27-13 to 13 on Thursday Night Football. Dallas eventually beat Tennessee, though they made a lot of work of it, considering Tennessee were resting the vast majority of the starters. Dak ends up with uh, two touchdowns, but also three turnovers. The touchdowns laid on, the turnovers early on, and, you know, because Tennessee weren't doing anything, they were able to get away with it. CD was 100 yards, Schultz had two touchdowns, but and the run game was fairly pedestrian, but it just kind of felt like Dallas knew that they could, you know, eventually win just by keeping at it. Um, as for Tennessee, uh, Dubs come in, 230 yards, touchdown interception, has won the starting job for Week 18 in that uh, winner-takes-all matchup against Jacksonville, and I think deservedly so. He certainly showed a lot more than Malik Willis in his starts. Uh, Burks continues to be a bright spark, at least, for the offense, 86 yards here. Uh, resting starters and having injuries, you know, just too much to deal with there. Dallas get their win and are still alive for the number one overall seed, apparently. Next up, Jacksonville at Houston, 31-3. Jacksonville decided to start their starters, which, to be fair, has given them a backshot wildcard spot, so a chance, so I suppose that's something. But they basically bullied Houston here. See, you know, Houston held the three points, that kind of said its own story. Um, Etienne, 140 Surprised to see them do so much better than, like, you know, Cowboys and Chiefs and a lot of other teams have of late. They just battered them there. It's just one of those things, I think, where, you know, they obviously know their rivals a little bit better and were able to exploit them ruthlessly. And, you know, they were able to pull ATN and Lawrence early in the third quarter after building up 28-0 lead. So, 
you know, it's kind of a situation where I think everything that could have gone right did go right for them. And pretty much the opposite for uh, Houston, where Davis Mills returned to his mid-season form, and the Jacksonville defense was able to suffocate the offense, especially because the run game is basically non-existent at this point without Damian Pierce. Uh, the defense did get two interceptions, one off C.J. Beathard later on, but otherwise uh, the defense didn't do much either, of course. Next up, Rams at Chargers, 10-31. The Chargers win the Battle of L.A. as the, the big boys, Eckler and Williams, make some big, fun, interesting plays. Eckler had one where he broke a tackle and went for a long touchdown. Williams had a really nice toe-tapper. And that was enough just to get over a Rams team, which is obviously fighting harder than you would expect, but still incredibly limited by you know personnel and all the injuries and stuff. Uh, Baker, I think you see that Baker, if everything goes right, things are good and he has fun, like they did against Denver, but when game script goes against him, he's still the same limited guy that they they have and a guy who looks like he's only been there you know less than a month uh, trying to still understand the playbook Akers however has been at least a positive down the stretch over 100 yards here he'll probably be competing at least for the starting job you'd imagine next season for the Rams when they get people back hopefully uh, and the defense is working hard but given the personnel challenges um, yeah, there's only so much they can do the Chargers could get the number 5 seed which could be important if you think Jacksonville are, are less dangerous than Cincinnati Buffalo and KC but you know, minimal the differences there and finally for the dump off this week the only game that had no relevance but they played a close game anyway 19 to 20 win for Atlanta Koo kicks a walk-off field 21 yard field goal Ritter was solid he showed some progress here though he did have a fumble and then 200 yards but better than what we saw in week one of him basically Allegier and Patterson were doing most of the work here uh, nearly 100 yards each a touchdown each uh, through the run game and the pass game David Blau the Blauhards got a chance to see their favorite 222 yards and a touchdown he was adequate I would say as a fill-in um, obviously, touchdown, no interceptions, that's okay. McBride, the tight end, was his biggest bit of fantasy benefit, but that probably tells you about the, the level of excitement coming from the offense. But, you know, uh, once James Conner went out early in the second half, they kind of petered out quite quickly. Watt gets, and the defense did nothing. Watt had got the only sack or tackle for a loss for the team, but hey, it's, it's Watt in his second last game, penultimate game, so he gets something out of it at least. But, you know, meaningless game that Atlanta have meaninglessly moved and slightly the draft order, so good for them, I suppose. So that's a dump out for week 17. One more week to go. See you then. Excellent. So let's have a quick look then at the playoff permutations. Basically, who's going to be playing in later January? So what we know, we'll start with the AFC. What we know, KC have won the AFC West. Buffalo have won the AFC East. Cincinnati, Baltimore and the LA Chargers are all in the playoffs but in what order is still up in the air. So what's up for grabs? Number one seed has some uh, movement possibility in it. So currently Kansas City are 13-3 and and they're playing at the Las Vegas Raiders. Buffalo are 12-3. and They're playing New England. And then obviously the question mark of the Cincinnati game. And Cincinnati are 11-4 and and they're playing Baltimore. And again, the question of the Buffalo game. At the moment, Buffalo and Cincinnati both of the head-to-head over KC, having both won their games. KC win and a Buffalo loss would mean that there's no real uncertainty in terms of the one seed that would be coming out of the Buffalo and Cincinnati game. So that's where we are on that at the moment. I suppose at this point, this is probably the right time to just discuss what the implications for that game being played or not being played and the options looking like, right? Do you, do you want to take a, a run at it, Fitz, and then I'll, I'll yeah. hop in with bits. So, so there's only one scenario which would remove any playoff implications of the game in terms of like you know Buffalo and Cincinnati seeding could be swapped by their game pretty much in any scenario, but yeah. only if Kansas City win and Buffalo lose in week 18. And of course, a Buffalo loss is probably a little bit more likely given the, the context that they'll be playing under in New England if they are forced to play. There are rumours that they may even forfeit the game, but obviously 
unlikely that to happen in the NFL. Uh, but basically, only if Kansas City win and Buffalo lose, would Kansas City then be guaranteed to have the number one seed, regardless of the outcome of the Buffalo-Cincinnati game happening or not. Mm-hmm. If that happens, I think that probably simplifies things and you could probably just you know remove the other game from history or call it a tie or whatever. In any other scenario, that game existing or not would have severe implications for the number one overall seed. So obviously in that situation, it's going to be a much more difficult decision for the NFL and for the teams. Because I imagine the teams will have an input here, but you know, it's like, do we play another game? With you know, obviously the huge issue with with with, with, with moving with, with weeks and losing bits as yeah, well. You're, like you're moving it's... things around. You know, there's the morals about doing while your player is still in the hospital uh, and all that kind of stuff. So you know, to a certain extent, it might be better Buffalo lose and Kansas City win and just take this off the the, the table. Yeah, but and then just it, just it, just it, just either make it a coin toss or yeah. make it a play if they play each other. If 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 the, if in the second round of the playoffs you end up with Buffalo and Cincinnati playing just playing on a neutral site or something just to remove the home field advantage of it or whatever. But like yeah, like that'll be that'll be your your easiest option. There are some crazy options being discussed out there, and, I, and I'm going to call them crazy. They're going to happen in between now and when the pod goes out. But the, the the weirdest one so far I've heard is this proposal for a random number generator selecting a game, given that this only impacts the top three seeds. A random number generator being used to select a game to remove from the Kansas City Chiefs at random so that then they would all have played the same number of games, which is just like the maddest one that I could think of. But yeah, there's, there's a couple of very crazy suggestions around. But essentially, look, like you said, if we have a Kansas City win and a Buffalo loss this week, KC get the top pick and the necessity to play the the cancelled Monday night football game would only be for two three seating and that could be arranged a slightly different way I would imagine you could just use a different tiebreaker or something if that was the case so that's kind of where we are in the number one seed and a bit of a where they are on the whole Buffalo Cincinnati game and whether or not to be played now here's where the twist is going to happen AFC North is currently Cincinnati 11 and 4 and Baltimore 10 and 5 if Cincinnati win that would make the game completely relevant. That's fine. If they lose and Baltimore win, then the game is relevant for who wins the AFC North because Baltimore would take the AFC North if Cincinnati were to lose to Buffalo. Yeah. But I think that the, the thing in this case, remember, is that if the if the game was turned into a tie, Cincinnati would still win the division in, in that case. If it's just completely alliterated and they end up 11 and uh five whatever like that then like yeah unlikely to have that happen so that's fine so afc north i would say look we basically just say this is going to be cincinnati's unless something major happens right afc south we have a big game coming up this week for that it's going to be decided jacksonville are eight and eight tennessee are seven and nine they're playing each other this week the winner gets the gets the afc south and the fourth seed and then the wild card whoever doesn't get the uh, AFC North between Baltimore and Cincinnati are in and the Chargers are in. So that means there's one spot up for grabs. That is coming from either New England who are 8-8 eight and, eight and playing Buffalo, Miami who are 8-8 eight and, eight and playing the Jets, Pittsburgh who are 8-8 eight and, eight and playing Cleveland or Jacksonville who are 8-8 eight and, eight and playing Tennessee. Jacksonville you say, yes, we will explain. New England control their destiny. If New England beat Buffalo in week 18, then they are in. Miami, if they win and New England lose, they get in. Pittsburgh, if they win and New England and Miami lose, they get in. And Jacksonville, if they if the other teams lose, so if New England, Miami, and Pittsburgh all lose, they, they get in in the wild card even if they lose to Tennessee. So that's that's roughly where we are. So basically in the order of likelihood, New England, if they win, are there. If New England lose and Miami win, they're there. If those both lose and Pittsburgh win, they're there. And if Pittsburgh lose, Jacksonville get there. 
not that much chance of seeing Pittsburgh in the playoffs, but uh, hey, Jacksonville have that backdoor gut shot that they can get and, if, if if somehow Tennessee win, which and no one wants. Pr- pr- presumably we can then remove Jacksonville from this metric as well of if Jacksonville win the AFC South. Yeah, of course. If, if Jacksonville beat Tennessee, all of this is irrelevant for them, but they have a, a back, you know, they have a gut shot who takes it then in that instance if New England, Miami, and Pittsburgh all lose? Is it yeah, New England? So I think it's New England at that point. Yeah, I think New England are the default. Breaking. But Jesus, it's it's all a bit of a mess. As we said, you don't really care about the seventh seed. <laughs> Let's be frank. Unless it's Jacksonville. Jacksonville are a slightly spicier seventh seed. But I suppose if they lose... But they should be number four seed. We don't want Tennessee in there. God. I'd still take these three teams over Tennessee. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, although I would somewhat take the sheen off Jacksonville if they lose to Tennessee in Tennessee's current form and then make it and kind of stumble into the playoffs. <laughs> the AFC side's yeah, kind of dumb. So That's that's the AFC for you. So let's go over to the NFC side of things. What do we know on the NFC? Well, San Francisco have won the NFC West. Minnesota have won the NFC North. Tampa Bay have won the NFC South and are locked into the fourth seed. And Dallas, Philly, and the Giants are all in the mix there as well in the playoffs. So what's up for grabs? The number one seed is surprisingly up for grabs at the moment. Obviously somewhat to do with injuries and shitting the bed last week. Philadelphia currently hold it at 13-3 and and they're playing the New York Giants who will be resting starters because they have not increased their positioning. San Francisco are one game behind them and so are Dallas. San Francisco are playing Arizona this week and Dallas are going to Washington to play. So if Philly win, they get the number one seed. San Francisco and Dallas, Philly lose. San Francisco and Dallas both have tiebreakers over them so whichever one of those wins would then get it instead and if all three win their if sorry if, if san francisco and dallas win and philadelphia lose uh, san francisco will take it in that instance so we're basically talking about philly winning in san francisco winning a shot dallas are requiring da- uh, san fran to not win as well as philly to lose we expect like, philly to take care of business perfectly. you would this is this is a 13 and 3 team playing a team that is resting starters so like in theory shouldn't be shouldn't really be a consideration uh, nfc east philadelphia are 13 and 3 and dallas are 12 and 4 so again dallas need philly to lose and them to win to be able to win the division and that's the same as for the number one seat wild card is we've got dallas slash philly whichever one it isn't getting the number one seed and the New York Giants are in. So there's one spot up for grabs. We have Green Bay at 8-8 eight eight playing Detroit. Seattle at 8-8 eight 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 playing the Rams. Detroit at 8-8 eight 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 playing Green Bay. So Green Bay are in if they win. So Seattle win and Detroit win. Which means Green Bay lost, of course, because yeah. Green Bay are playing Detroit. Then Seattle will get in. And Detroit need to have Seattle to lose early on and we'll get into this was a Sunday night football thing maybe uh, at yeah the there, the there, 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 there is some people complaining about this Sunday night football timing given this wrinkle but yeah yeah so basically if Seattle win Detroit cannot get into the playoffs but if Seattle lose then it will be a winner takes all playoff spot uh, showdown on Sunday night football between Green Bay and Detroit but I expand agree Detroit are going to play hard anyway so I'm not too worried about that you know Detroit obviously in the toughest position in terms of getting playoffs after losing to Seattle earlier this year uh, Green Bay in the best position uh, in a win and we can see Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs one more time the, the NFC is less quality so I'm less annoyed about having teams yeah. like this and, and also there. this is the thing like they don't they don't have the top end level that the AFC has but like their bottom end is a bit more exciting like I would take Detroit, Green Bay, kind of Seattle level stuff over the like, okay, Pittsburgh, New England. Like, yeah. like I'd love to see Detroit in there, but yeah, it's going to be, it's it's gonna be a 
tough. By the time their game happens, we'll know. Yeah, and uh, the number one pick, Houston, are currently there with Indianapolis to play, so they get the number one pick if they lose week 18. Chicago are 3-13. and 13. They're half it's, a game not, it's half a game, isn't it, back? Yeah. Yeah, so if they lose and Houston win, they can get the number one uh, pick instead, but that's roughly where we are on that. So we clear then. We know it's up for grabs. It's seeding, positioning, and one wild card spot in both divisions. And the NFC side has a little bit more, we'd say, excitement. Although, as once we come to the to the previews now, you'll see why there's a slight question mark over the schedule makers. So first up, we have some Saturday games this week. Kansas City are taking on the Las Vegas Raiders in Vegas. Uh, we've gone for Kansas City across the board. This is, like we said, if Kansas City win, they can kind of semi lock up the number one seed although it could also cause additional controversy knife would be pretty handy if if the Chiefs lost this as well because then it might soften the blow on the other side we're looking at Kansas City who as you said in your in the dump office are a little bit they're getting the job done but they're not doing it cleanly at the moment they seem to be kind of essentially half checked out at the moment which is not really where you want it to to be but this is a Vegas team who came out all firing on all cylinders against the best defense in the league last week and you know have Stidham under center who I think is an improvement on car and have good weapons and kind of probably want to have a bit of that surge at the back end of the season to justify some jobs as you said there's a couple of players who are coming out of contract that maybe want to either prove that they should get that next contract with the team or show off for who might be looking to to, to pick up a player in their position will Stidham be a one-week wonder will Kansas City be able to just blow the blow the chunks off of them which they should be able to do but probably won't because this is not really how these games tend to go for going Kansas City I can see this one going right down to the wire to be honest I can see Vegas playing their playing their little hearts out you know Stidham the big thing I think is that Joshua Daniel seems happier with Stidham that he's doing the things that he wants and he certainly looks a bit more brave and just a bit more i don't know he just actually cares more than Derek carr um he thought like be a little bit little emo bitch but yep. you know it's just a situation here where you know kansas city they've just been a little bit casual you know they've kind of oh yeah we're better than these teams we'll get it done so this is a game that's probably better it feels like on paper than it has any right to be now maybe kansas city come out and blow the fucking doors off the vegas raiders definitely a possibility but based on what they've done in recent weeks i feel like this is one of those kind of weird wibbly wobbly games and obviously kansas city you know unlike if they'd known what the outcome of the monday night football was going to be um where they'd probably have more idea of how important this game was now this is an important game like if they win this then there's a probably a pretty good chance that they get the number one overall seed given what may or may not happen with the with the with the leftover game with buffalo and cincinnati so they should play hard they should get the win and get it done but yeah vegas based on what they did last week where they ripped up a good san francisco defense maybe they come out games they'd still be motivated given that they're a divisional rival and you could have a weird one but like i think even if it turns into a weird one and Vegas are way better than expected, Kansas City still have Patrick Mahomes, who's just clutch and likes winning. And Vegas have been incredibly good at losing games, even when they have played well this year. So even if it turns into a fun one, I, I would still favour Kansas City to get it done in the end. But you would probably prefer a nice casual blowout, Connor. But uh, I'd, I'd, I'd love it to be a kind of spot where we could start benching starters in the second half. I'm not sure that's what we're going to get here at all, given... Vegas's recent bump. Uh, next up, Tennessee at Jacksonville. Gone for Jags across the board because, quite frankly, 
Jacksonville are a bit exciting to watch and Tennessee are like scratching your eyeballs out. Winner takes all for this one. As we said, whoever wins this takes the AFC South, guarantees themselves a playoff spot. If the Tennessee loses, they're gone. If Jacksonville loses, like we said, they need three other teams to, to drop games for them to get in. So this really is the route in. It is a classic thing. Like any other division, like a winning in scenario, it would be the Sunday night football game. But it's the AFC side. But everyone's like, yeah, we can't really risk putting this as the only game people are watching on a Sunday. Like Saturday, yeah. whatever. Like we have to put them in an important game. So we'll give them the Saturday primetime game as mm. a kind of, okay, I suppose you are important, but no one actually wants to look at this type of thing. But yeah, we've, yeah. Dobbs, look, we've Dobbs playing a quarterback here for he Tennessee. He was better. He was better than Malik Willis. They seem to actually Yeah, have well, Willis was fucking garbage though. Yeah. He can pass the ball. He has plays anticipation. Apparently, he's a rocket scientist. Look back mm. at that bloody bullshit again. So, you know, it's it, you know at least he gave them somewhat of a functional offense. Obviously, Derrick Henry should be back for this game. He was rested de facto last week. You know, he was hurt in inverted commas. Uh, so they have Derrick Henry. They have someone who can at least pass the ball somewhat and get guys like Traylon Burks in. So I, I certainly wouldn't discount completely the chance of a Tennessee upset. I don't want that because that would personally upset me because yeah. Tennessee are a boring team at the best of times and we, even with a change in quarterback they're still going to be the same boring Tennessee we expect. I think the X factor here is that Tennessee will not be getting uh, they'll be getting some of them back, but certainly nowhere near their full quota of their defensive starters back. And their defense has been so banged up for the last half of the season that it's just turned into a complete liability. And that's the reason that they, you know, from a very dominant position in this division, have come down all the way down to the week 18. And Jacksonville just feel like they're a new team with so much room to grow and excitement. And they're just the future. Tennessee are the past. They had their chance last year when they had number one seed and they blew it. And we don't really care about them anymore. Jacksonville are the future. Who knows? where they could go in the playoffs with an exciting quarterback, with ETN, with, with, with a defense that's young and could spike up potentially. So let's get Jacksonville in there and let's get them that win. Oh yeah, like I, it would just be so much nicer than like I've I've been complaining for about two years now about having to watch Tennessee. So like the quicker we can get rid of that, the better. Okay, early slate Sunday, Carolina taking on New Orleans in a game of who gives a shit, Ronan. These two teams are eliminated, so who cares? Like New Orleans defense is better than expected as they got healthy again. So I picked them because of that because they can probably shut down this kind of offense that really, when the run game's gone, it turns into a very limited thing with Darnold. Carolina, they have an okay defense. So they show weaknesses with the JC Horn gone, but you know their offense isn't that exciting. Like if Carolina can run the ball, they have a chance here. But uh, I think the Orleans have shown a little bit of solidity in the last few weeks that be enough for Carolina. I think you and Sean have picked Carolina, but who cares? <laughs> we got Carolina just because, yeah, fuck it, who cares? Tampa Bay at Atlanta up next. Me and you have gone for Atlanta. Sean's gone for Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay are going to be resting starters. Atlanta. Well, they're they're, they're saying they won't, but but they will. Yeah, but when the second half rolls around, you, you'll see them. Yeah. Like Atlanta, there's a lot of players who are trying to basically audition for future roles. Like they want to be on this team. They want to show their values. So I imagine they'll be trying a little bit harder. But again, an irrelevant game. Doesn't really matter. Minnesota, Chicago, Ronan, Minnesota going to rest their starters. Will it make a difference because they've been playing like dog shit anyway? Well, given they had a bunch of injuries last week, they, they might be more... Uh cognizant of the cost of playing people for competitive reasons but i think they'll rest starters chicago uh, i think uh, chicago are resting starters unless you can't yeah, I think peterman I, is a fucking starter i think fields has a hip injury so they're being very cautious yeah he's a sprain so, on us frank look without justin fields chicago are one of the most annoying teams at all time but if minnesota are playing their second string this could be truly completely and utterly unwatchable so just don't watch it 
Yeah, uh, it'll be. I'm going yeah. for Chicago. You gone for Minnesota, but who fucking knows? Next up, Houston at Indianapolis in the first overall pick off kind of. Yeah, so this is just not great. Houston are better off losing this game. Ellinger is looking to kind of show that he'd be good for a backup role, so maybe that's an element of this. Jeff Saturday trying to leave in less disgrace, I suppose. Yeah, there's nothing of value in this game. Most of these teams are stripped to very little. There's very few players on these teams playing in this game who will be on them next year. Yeah, like yeah. this is mothball and, and hope that you can get the first overall pick, I think, or increase yeah. your, your, and your yes, draft we're all both We're picking Houston across the board, so they even screwed that up. We are, because they're going to fuck it up, because Indianapolis are even worse. Okay, let's move on to some games that are a little bit more interesting, have a little bit of juice behind them. Uh, the Jets at Miami. Well, sorry, me and Sean have gone for the Jets, you've gone for Miami. I'm going for the Jets mostly on the basis of not even certain is it going to be Skyler or the like the ginger giraffe at quarterback for Miami. The Jets should have White. The Jets are just a better team. The best unit in this team is the Jets' defense. The Jets' defense is better than the Pats' defense. The Pats' defense shut down Miami. Yes, but Mike White was really bad. He, as I, as I said, I think he has an injury that just makes him not, and wearing a brace that makes him unable to play the quarter position. So I think this could be a really, really difficult game to watch. And it, it comes to the quarterback position for both teams. But this is the trick, Fitz. Really, you really just bad. don't watch it. You just watch the highlights and pretend you watch well, it. Because this feels yeah. like that kind of game to me. Well, there'll be like two highlights in red zone, so, so at least I'll be aware of those. But like, yeah, I think the Jets defense is a better unit, but I think there are more players on the Miami team who have shown the capacity to win for the players who are playing for them. And I think, you know, if Skylar Thompson or, you know, Mike Lennon can get the ball to Tyreek Hill or whatever like that, then they can get some stuff going. But this has a very poor, low-scoring game written all over it that really could go either way. But I've gone for Miami, you've gone for the Jets. But yeah, a really sad end to for two teams that at one point looked like they could be really fun contending teams yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. Cleveland to Pittsburgh, we've gone for Pittsburgh across the board. I'm very tempted to change my pick to Cleveland on this one, to be honest. Yeah, I'm going to change it. I'm going to go for Cleveland. I, f- I hate Cleveland as well, but... They don't deserve I'm, happiness, Connor, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, well, basically, I just, I want, I want this stupid feckin' narrative of, like, oh, we're going to... Uh, going to stay above 500 or whatever like it's just stupid just get rid of the story no one cares no one's doubting the quality of your coach you don't need this stat to keep it going but yeah also to be honest i just don't want to see pittsburgh in the uh in the playoffs at just all eliminate eliminate like, the chance i just want to get rid of the chance that's also like because the jets eliminate miami don't they as well if they win yeah there's a small part of me as well that worries that miami would be like oh we've made the playoffs i guess we better put Tua back in which is just a very very questionable spot to put them in in terms of analysis cleveland finally had a game where they seemed to have offense at least for one half although watson was terrible at making a lot of bad decisions and against the defense in washington which is okay-ish we'll put in the inverted commas Pittsburgh's defense, though, is better when they have TJ Watt in there, at least. And Pittsburgh offense has been functional. You know, damn, damn with faint praise. But, like, Najee Harris has been better. Pickett has been better. They're growing something there that at least could, in future seasons, become something actually worth watching, but which now is functional. And against a Cleveland team, which... You know, if you give them enough chances, I do think Cleveland can get at you. They have, obviously, Nick Chubb. Amari Cooper's a very good player. But I think if you put them away early, they they don't come back. And I just think Watson, he's just incredibly bad right now uh, in, in every sense of the word. And I just 
don't particularly want to, to see Cleveland have any hope. I want them to be as hopeless as possible in the off season and to earn their depression and Pittsburgh doing it over them, even if it probably doesn't have been relevant, uh, is a satisfactory outcome. I don't particularly like Pittsburgh as a team either, but they're not as bad now, obviously, without the, you know, the, there's kind of an inversion, I suppose, in reputation here in terms of the quarterback situation. Ray uh, ben I'm, willing, is gone. I'm willing to support Pittsburgh now that they're uh, not as uh, problematic. I was actually going to say as well, we make Cleveland's... Um draft position worse but i presume they've gave up they don't have any draft picks so they probably yeah, have some worse than their their lower down picks i suppose but yeah no just i could see them getting it going a little bit on the ground their defense looked a little bit better the last time yeah we'll see we'll see new england at buffalo we got buffalo across the board here buffalo obviously playing for hamlin like there are restrictions on this New England team. Yes, their defense is very good, but Mac on his best day there was 200 yards. Like, they're not letting him play very much. Allen played very well against this good New England defense the last time, and this time they're at home as well. So, I like, provided this game goes ahead and provided that the Buffalo players are in the right headspace, I struggle to see how New England would win this game if Buffalo are playing full force at it. Look, if Buffalo show up at our Buffalo, obviously a big question mark over that now because obviously the situation uh, for Buffalo uh, on the field with Hamlin, you know, you know, it wouldn't be a shock to see that do, you know, psychological harm uh, and just kind of have people off key. And New England are a team that's been able to exploit, I suppose, teams that aren't at their at their best. But assuming Buffalo are playing like Buffalo, then they've shown that they can easily beat this New England defense. I think they have a quarterback who can just beat what makes the New England defense tick. The New England defense kind of forces you to do tight window throws, especially things on crossing routes and stuff like that. Uh, but those are things that Josh Allen is the best in the league at. And so he's just been able to rip apart this New England defense, which is so solid against the more ordinary quarterbacks in the league. And if they can do that again, then they should be able to get this done. And obviously their defense is still pretty solid as well. And against the you know, one of the most dissonant, you know, awful, makes no sense offenses in the league, then they should be able to get some joy here and keep New England to below uh, 20 points, perhaps even, uh, you know, below 10 if they, they're really up for it. And, you know, I think it really just comes down to how Buffalo come with this game, given the really difficult context that they're coming into this with. But I think given on talent, given what we've seen in the last year or so, and that New England have only beaten them uh, when, when the the rains literally the, like yeah, the, them out. The, in, in, um, in the weather game of the last couple of years. But Buffalo should be favourite, and like let's be honest, we're we're all rooting for Buffalo to be honest, uh, at least for one week. Apart from the fact that if they do lose, it would make the whole rescheduling of the other game a lot simpler for everyone. Next up, we have Baltimore at Cincinnati again. A team coming off the back of that Monday night stuff and kind of wondering what kind of position they'll be in what kind of mindset they'll be in coming into it Baltimore question marks over whether Lamar Jackson will be back uh, obviously that'll be a big improvement for them but yeah this is a game that as we mentioned might have implications for the AFC North seeding depending on what happens with that Monday Night Football game Cincinnati if they had lost that game would be in a fight for the division if they'd won that game they'd be talking about the number one seed potentially so mm-hmm. a lot of uncertainty here but like look Cincinnati are a better team who have a functional offense right now even against a good Baltimore defense so assuming that they are similar to Buffalo and remember like you know we're talking about two pretty young teams here and obviously you know when you're in your early 20s even mid 20s this kind of stuff where you think you're invincible can can have a pretty substantial effect on your on your mental state Mm -hmm. Um, but assuming that they're not too bad and not too distracted by everything going on then you know Cincinnati have a 
an offense that should be able to score more than 20 points and against this Baltimore team that would be probably more than enough uh, but Baltimore like look maybe Lamar comes back maybe he does the magic maybe David Huntley and whatever can exploit a defense which is off key because of the whole context but you know if we're just going by what we've actually seen on the field then Cincinnati should easily win this game and lock up the AFC North and maybe the one seed type of stuff comes into relevance probably not Cincinnati are better and, and deserve to be there and I think I'd rather see them at home and, and a better chance of moving on than Baltimore because yeah. Yeah, we, we I, just don't see the Baltimore thing coming together in I agree with you like, I, like even with Lamar coming back I'm unsure about what the ceiling on this Baltimore team is so like yeah who knows we move into the things that are in the late window Chargers at Denver we've gone for Chargers across the board Ronan interesting idea here if Chargers are willing to not rest starters to potentially get the number five seed and avoid the the three elites or whether it really matters or not so interesting thing there but you know obviously if they rest starters Denver definitely having a chance but Denver are bad uh their defense has kind of fallen off a bit it feels like in recent weeks and the Russell offense while it did some things against Kansas City still showed its weaknesses towards the end there so look Denver have a chance if Chargers are paying their backups but I think the Chargers given that they played their starters last week might play their starters at least for half year and and get the job done not a not a relevant game either way dallas at washington up next we on for dallas across the board like we said they'll be kind of scoreboard watching to see what philadelphia are doing in their game against the giants but like you'd expect dallas to start pulling starters if philadelphia are a decent way ahead wentz is out though so yeah like we gotta gotta wonder about what's gonna be happening here heineke is back in it was a big decision and i think we talked about it at the time as being well i certainly thought the wrong decision to be putting wentz in there over heineke <laughs> dallas are talent wise the better team here now they're traveling up to washington which is difficult these in-division games in this division are always a little bit funny and washington are not without talent they have a couple of very nice pieces there and they could have a bit of fun particularly if dallas start pulling out players dallas are dealing with a couple of injuries at the moment i'd say they wouldn't say no to giving their guys a bit of rest that they obviously have to stay heads up for the for the potential for getting the number one but given that you know even if they get that the sam fran would be jumping over them as well might uh might impact how much they they hammer into it or whether they kind of take this as a semi-buy for some of their starters but i'd expect them to start at full force and then very quickly slide back out of that as as, as things develop that, that's a, certainly a live possibility and obviously dallas uh, have dealt with injuries in in playoff situation before so they'll probably be and they're obviously such a top heavy team in terms of their talent that mm-hmm. i do think they'll pull players if philly are like more than two touchdowns ahead against the, the second stringers for the Giants I think obviously Washington they're going to start Howell in this game I believe they've confirmed that but there's also reports that Heineke might be mixed in there as well so it'll probably be a complete mess in Washington I think it's a suitable end to the season if they start literally mixing quarterbacks in the middle of the last game just to see but what they have if, in if they change the quarterback who will they know how will they know who's taking command well, you know, like that, 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 that may be the problem the entire season. Connor, oh wait, known who is that why? Is that why it's commanders? So they have multiple quarterbacks and multiple commanders. They've gone to the pigs, as it were. You know, like oh uh, yes, that new... is something we didn't talk about in the news. Their new and terrible mascot. <laughs> What's he called again? Major uh, Major Tuddy. Major Tuddy. That, that's a pretty bad name. But like, look, it, it, it's a situation here where Washington are just playing to try stuff out. Dallas could probably even win even with backups but next up we have Arizona at San Francisco which suffers from the exact same problems of the last game uh, San Francisco are the better team here but you know the question is if Philly are pulling ahead will they pull some starters Arizona are essentially a nothing team this is JJ yeah. Watt's final game 
But Dead yeah. Men Walking in Arizona. I don't know if you've watched the in-season hard knocks. It's pretty fucking depressing, to be honest. Yeah, like I think for Arizona, the only positive they'll have is that obviously JJ Watt's retiring. So I imagine they'll have some special packages, put him in there for a goal line play or, or something like that and just see what happens. But uh, outside that, you know, Arizona are going to be playing somebody, a quarterback. They probably have shut down DeAndre Hopkins for the season. So it's Hollywood Brown and, and James, like James Conner might play. Like Arizona are just playing at the string in San Francisco could will probably get it done here early but much like the other game um if Philly take care of business as we expect then it probably won't be relevant just a couple a couple of dead rubber games up in the Slater section New York Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles another one of one side is definitely more invested in this than the other we've got for Philly across the board because like the Giants are presumably going to rest their starters like as much as this is you know a divisional rival and you want to do x y and z you've made the playoffs First time in a while, a bit of a surprise maybe coming into the season that you've made it. Rest your starters, get yourself ready for it. Philly need this game to to get the first overall seed. It'd be nice to fuck with them, but like, you know, Philly kind of need a get right game, particularly after the absolute hammering they took last week. So if I'm the Giants, I'm putting the bottom of my roster out on the field and like, Maybe I find something in it that I could use. Maybe someone could become a kick returner or something for me out of the bottom end. But like, I'm just I'm just giving all of my starters the week off. Anyone who's got any kind of knock, they're going to rest. People like Leonard Williams, for example. If they play them, they're dumb and they're they're bad and they should they deserve to have those guys in the playoffs. And I get it. Like, look, Philly are a division rival. Uh, obviously, there's no love lost between these teams. Um, but look, I think maybe the Giants, like you know. I think best case for the Giants is that they start some of their starters for like the first half, but Philly are out here. I think Philly will want to get this done early and get it done quick. And with Jalen Hurts in the saddle, they have shown generally that they can do that against lesser teams. And the Giants for all of their, you know, well done, you know, good vibes are still not a good team. Um, so I would expect that Philly can get this done early. The Giants are then definitely going to rest starters and the whole thing becomes a joke and the other two teams that are relevant for the number one seed will then start resting starters as well. So there'll be a, a cascade effect in the late window uh, will be pretty, pretty uninteresting probably like here you're, you're, uh, like red zone. But. Your real thread the needle if you want to play absolute fuckery if you're Philadelphia is to just constantly stay one score ahead in this game and force the other guys to just tire out uh, their starters a bit. To, to be fair, I think I think Philly would like to rest starters if they could in like the third quarter anyway, so it could turn yeah. into kind of a daytime situation. But like, look, if you're the Giants, you can't risk playing a guy like Saquon Barkley getting injured. You can't risk uh, Daniel Jones getting injured. Like, I know like when we miss Saquon, maybe a bit more of a difference. Uh, you have your defense is the key to your team. You can't afford losing starters like Leonard Williams in, in the playoffs. Like... You know, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, I get it. There's some people like, play your starters. Uh, and, and some teams do that. Like, Tampa Bay may do that because the team might win over them. But I think the head coach here has done enough that he can probably cajole people into doing the right thing and making this a busy walkover for, for Philly. And now we've got the Rams taking on the Seattle Seahawks. Me and Sean have gone for the Seahawks and you've gone for the Rams. This is an interesting one. As we said, Seattle here... If they manage to get in and win this game, it means Detroit are are not able to make the playoffs, which I presume partially as well as your strange risk aversion and happiness equalization all, all, procedures all have led to you picking the Rams. This is a this is a Rams team that's not in particularly great form, Seattle team that's not playing as well as it has earlier on the season, but is still doing all right. You know, there's a lot of bad well, I say bad, but there's a lot of blood between these teams. We got, you know, Wagner's here, we've got 
the in-division stuff, this is Baker's last chance to kind of make a case for himself as probably a career backup rather than a starter. But, you know, there's a lot of bits going on here. And like we said, Seattle are, in theory, live for the playoffs. They can make a win here. So it is quite an important one. They, they have every incentive to win this game, like to, to give themselves a chance based on what happens in SNF. But I just have a bad feeling about this game in general. I, I pretty much don't like the vibes of this game. Like there was the game in the Rams, Seattle just about managed to win, uh, but it basically took them doing everything and getting away with everything. And, and the Rams really just been really bad in some aspects to get away with it. And I just feel like if the Rams show up here and are just, solid and they don't make stupid mistakes then i think this will be a real grind of a game for seattle and seattle yes they finally got a win against the, the jets there to break the losing streak but i think a lot of that was due to the fact that mike white literally can't throw the ball accurately because he's in a sling and, and baker mayfield for all of his faults is not in a sling this season he was last season that's why he's so <laughs> bad but now he's back to being you know just mediocre you know in this system with McVeigh, he's at least had some games where at least he seems to be having some fun and getting back into the vibe of being a you know at least a competent quarterback in the nfl and cam Akers is having a good back end of the season so we know seattle's run defense has not been great so i could see cam Akers running all over them and yeah i just you know the offense obviously with geno smith has been uh, surprisingly good this year but you know i could see bobby wagner just like getting everyone hyped up who's left in that defense and then just playing out of their skins and just making it a really bad hard game for seattle so look seattle have the better record over the course of the season than being a better team so i certainly don't blame you or Sean for picking Seattle over the Rams, but I just got a bad feeling about this, uh, to quote Han Solo, <laughs> and that's why I'm picking the Rams. Plus all the other, you know, arbitrarily util, happy units bullshit. But I genuinely just do feel bad that, that the Rams are going to come out here and get just one final thing to, to take away in the offseason to feel a little bit smug about themselves. This is the kind of in-division shithousery that I like in week 18 where it's like, you know, you'd love to make sure that your division rival doesn't make the playoffs. Like, this is perfect. Not the kind of like, oh, God, I need to rest my guys. Can I just get them out of there? So this one should be, I, I think you can have a bit of fun with that one. I, I, I see where you're coming from. And we move on to the big game, Sunday Night Football, Detroit at the Green Bay Packers. I have gone for Green Bay. You and Sean have gone for Detroit. I understand it entirely. I was kind of halfway there, but then I thought, you know what? If I have Seattle winning the earlier game, it doesn't really matter anyway. I'd love to see Detroit make it. But unfortunately, I just can't see it happening. Green Bay coming off a absolute housing of the Minnesota Vikings. And the key thing to that, in my mind, was that their offense didn't actually play that well. It was all defense and all special teams. It was comprehensive. They're at home. They know the Detroit Lions. It's very Green Bay to come in, coast their way into the final, into the, into the playoffs by stomping on the Lions. But this is a Detroit team that we love. I'd love to see them come in and do it. I'd love that little thin sliver of they need that and they need the Rams. It would be great to see it happen. I just think in the current form, Green Bay are ascending quicker than Detroit. But Detroit, don't take this as a hit. They are in the ascendancy as well. I just have a, I just have a feeling that this is going to be one of those annoying... Rodgers gets the headlines, even though actually it's the defense that does it for them. But uh, Over a decade of pain, would say you're right. A uh, tough weather conditions game i think it'll be below freezing 
in Green Bay, Detroit have been less successful in those conditions, I think, in this season and, and in general, because obviously they're playing a dome and I think there's some parts of the team that's went, but like, I don't care. I, I don't care. Like the form book and the whatever and the pain or whatever. This is the Detroit Lions. It's Sunday night football. You're on prime time for, you know, an important game at this stage for the first time in forever. And you got a chance to do it against your hated rivals. And hopefully the Rams, uh, if you're a Detroit fan, have beaten Seattle earlier on. And this is truly an in and win game. But even if this is just Detroit playing the spoiler, they're going to be up for this game. This is going to be their last chance to chew on the ankles of Aaron Rodgers and get one like, you know, after all those years of him beating him up and, you know, owning their place just as much as his own Chicago and uh, to a lesser extent the Vikings, he's like to get one over them and say it's a new time, it's a new age in this division. That's something that they can take forward. That's something that they can build on. And that's something that can turn them, this, that can turn this franchise around. Because if they come in here and they pray brave and they lose, like, I'm not going to hate them, like, fair play to them, great progress, but. If they can win this game and get it up over their rivals and either get into the playoffs themselves or, you know, kick their rivals out of the playoffs and force Rodgers off with Igmoni to wherever he's going next season, that's the kind of shit that gets the fans going. That's the kind of shit that will lay the foundation for the legend of Dan Campbell in Detroit. Even if he doesn't end up going on to be a great coach overall, it'll lay down the legend of the time that Dan Campbell came into Detroit, made them fun, ate those ankles and did shit together. And they have the talent to do it. Their defense has ascended in recent weeks. They're still exploitable. There's like that game against Carolina is certainly something to worry about, but they've got playmakers. Like they're making playmakers in in the the secondary and and the linebackers being solid, but that defensive line has come on. guy the young Houston guy uh, Hutchinson these guys are making plays they're getting sacks they can get in the face of Aaron Rodgers bring him down make him grimace and complain and whinge and whatever like that and hopefully also stuff that run game while they're at it and on the offense Amon Ross St. Brown is a stud and a great guy and a great you know someone who you know it's hard not to root for Jamal Williams obviously a ridiculous season scoring all those touchdowns DeAndre Swift has been mixed in a little bit more each week and he's making those explosive plays Jamison Williams has started making like one or two plays every week and doing exciting things and you know just Jared Goff you know I, like you know he's obviously gone to the Super Bowl already so I don't think he needs another shot at the playoffs or whatever like that but you know fair play to the guy you know after basically being humiliated and used as a chip like a bargaining chip in a trade uh, you know for the guy who went to win the Super Bowl with your team uh, a year later you know to come back and show that you can be lead a playoff team again going into one of the worst situations in the league and be part of that rebuilding process you know let's do it Detroit let's kick the Green Bay in the ass and send Aaron Rodgers off into the uh, into the offseason with nothing to like and nothing to enjoy because to be fair Aaron Rodgers he's a bit of a dick and yeah, yeah. I don't really care if he doesn't have a nice end to his time in Green Bay oh yeah no I agree entirely I'd love to see it. I just think Green Bay cross multiple sections like I said not even heavily on the offense but at 41 points last week and they were missing realistically their number one receiver at that time who should be back in Christian Watson I was just looking at it there it's interesting because I'm, I'm with you I'd much prefer to see Detroit get in but I, I, I'm not seeing it happen just even with our couple of differences in our picks there we have completely different teams getting the final wild cards in both divisions just having a look there so sean's predictions have pittsburgh getting the final slot in the afc and seattle getting the final slot in the nfc 
my predictions have New England taking the spot. If we're right on that, because I think I have them all losing and therefore New England still take it. New England taking the AFC spot and Green Bay taking the uh, NFC spot. And you, Ronan, have what I think is the more fun of the lot is the Miami taking the AFC slot and the Detroit taking the NFC slot. Obviously, my only problem being that I think the Miami one might force them to reconsider putting Tua back in, which is a concern that I would have for that organization and for Tua. But yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. We've actually it's fun to see this amount of relevant games because quite often you get a lot of you, you get a lot of dead rubbers in the in in, in the final week, you know. But um, yeah, not too bad. Like the seventh seed, like when we get to the wildcard round, the seventh seed ends up being a bit of a an unnecessary uh, option. But it means that there's so much more excitement for the last week of the regular season. More things for Scott Hansen to get excited about on red zone. So mm. uh, we'll take it where we can. And uh, yeah, I think the last week could be uh, could be a bit of fun here. Just all wish, of course, it was happening in a slightly uh, happier context. But hopefully, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll see a lot of dedications to Hamlin uh, this week and, and they'll be well deserved and hopefully by the time you listen to this and certainly by the time we're here next week we'll I've got more positive news on that situation. Was any any plans for the rest of the week in the weekend yourself? I may or may not be going over to Sean's uh, I think he's having a may or may not be having some kind of birthday thing but mm. that's TB, TBC I think at the moment uh, he TBC. may it may be moves around to basically accommodate other people's schedules uh, other than that I might go see Avatar 2 I don't know it depends how much I want to see I have three hours of my life and seeing 3d the 2d world is just not good enough for me and other than that you know just getting back into the swing of things yeah nothing too exciting just back into january you know time to grind away you know that's fair enough got some family coming up from down the country and might have a D thing but because of family coming up i'll probably be looking after the dog and just doing that online instead of in person might try and arrange to go in and see the the final week of games down in the woolshed but no, no, uh, nothing, nothing else too wild or crazy. And then I'll be swinging down next week to, uh, or sorry, swinging up, I suppose, to see family in Donegal as we didn't go up to them over the Christmas break. But that's it. And then obviously then gearing up for playoff football. We've got a, Trump is going to be getting married. So we'll be getting ready for a stag and stuff like that. So it'll be uh, very exciting altogether. And I suppose that'll wrap us up for now. So bye from myself. Bye from Ronan. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. Chat to you.